0: Tonight, we're seeing some positive signs out there, despite, of course, we're all experiencing this red-hot inflation. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. You know, Steve, we're paying more for just about everything, and I think that's top of mind for, for every sure. American. Uh, and it just feels like it keeps getting worse, but there is some reason tonight for optimism. all we're Chief Investment Officer Andy Stout is joining us, as he does every Monday. Andy. Tell me what there is to be positive about, because we're paying more at the pump, we're paying more at the grocery store. It doesn't really feel like things are so great right now.
1: Well, it certainly doesn't, especially, Amy, when you look at the headline number that came out last week, I mean, it was really a a shock and awe number that uh, prices or inflation was 8.5% higher over the past year. I mean, that's just, that's an eye-popping number, right? Yeah. As you're asking about it, there was some good news when we look under the hood a little bit. Uh, What I'm talking about is core inflation, which is total inflation, less food and energy. So when we're looking at that, we saw a deceleration. So it was uh, increasing at a slower pace than what we saw last month and increase at a slower pace than what economists were expecting. Uh, They were looking for a half percent increase for the month, and it came in at point three percent. So definitely some some good news there. And we can break that down a little bit further. When I look at the core inflation, you can look at core goods and core services. Core goods actually saw some deflation where prices fell 0.4%. So you know that's a positive sign from that perspective. Now, I don't think it's anything bad like consumers are spending less money because they're just shifting their preferences a little bit to spending more on services relative to goods. So this is definitely a step in the right direction.
2: So, so that's great news if you don't eat, or if you don't, or if you don't drive anybody. But we, we all do minor that. details. Minor details. <laughs> details. Details. Well, I, 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 but I'll, I'll grab anything I can, I can get at this point because the inflation. I mean, January we were looking at seven and a half. February seven point nine. March uh, over eight percent. But you, I mean, are you saying you? Do you think inflation has peaked?
1: i I wouldn't be surprised if it has peaked so i I think it's more likely than not that the year over year number has peaked now obviously it does as to your point steve depends on a few other factors like food prices uh, and oil prices when we look at the energy prices in general that was responsible for a big portion of that monthly increase now in order for energy prices to increase on a month over month basis for april we're going to have to see Oil average about $115 a barrel for the rest of the month. That's going to be a little tough to do since, you know, 12 days left. Well, I mean, not impossible. I mean, we can get oil prices higher than that, and then we, we could get there. But it seems likely just the math would say, barring some big oil shock, Bigger than what we already seen, uh, that we'll see a drop in energy prices at least for the month of April compared to March, and that will bring down that 8.5%. You know, so that's good. I mean, there's food prices in an issue too. Obviously, Ukraine's a big uh, exporter of wheat, so of wheat, excuse me, and so is Russia. Just saw today that the uh, price of corn is at you know, 2012 levels. It jumped up to eight dollars. Uh, so, you know, expect corn prices to go up, and that's going to ripple effect other areas because you know think of just you know cattle they eat off they eat corn so and they eat wheat so that's going to have an impact on other areas as well but with all that being said there are other factors uh including mortgage rates above five percent which could help housing prices there are other factors that should result in total inflation probably peaking In the month of March, what we just saw right there, looking on a year-over-year basis. Things can change, but that's what it looks like.
0: So, Anna, you're talking about, you know, kind of positive signs out there. Yet I'm reading headlines today. Major banks says signs of recession within the next 24 months. Of course, that's looking out quite a ways. Um, (laughs) But I know that you have kind of a recession index indicator that looks at these things. What are you seeing
1: Okay, so a 24-month forecast is really, <laughs> completely unhelpful. I knew you'd love that. That's I why mean, I threw
0: that out there at uh, you. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, so, yeah, 24 months, will there be a recession? Yeah, that's a pretty good chance. You can make that statement just about at any point in time <laughs> and say there's a pretty good chance there's a recession in 24 months. So let's just take this to a more uh, usable level. Really? We do like to look out over a shorter time period, yes, uh, more realistic. And what we look at is we look at a variety of what's called leading economic indicators, which are data points that move before the broad economy moves. And uh, we have our own Allworth recession index, which looks at 10 individual leading economic indicators. And we have very specific recession rules related to them. And we'll get more worried about a recession in the next six months or so when we have about 40 or 50 percent of those indicators signaling a recession. Right now, there are just two uh, that have signaled uh, a slowdown ahead, uh, but we can't just rely on one or two data points. We need to see more because when we see more indicators pointing to slowdown, it represents more of the broad economy. So it works better when you look at more data points as a collection rather than individual ones.
2: You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovak, along with Amy Wagner. And since it's Monday, we're talking to Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial. And Andy, I I mean, let's bring this home to our investments a little bit. We've seen the 10-year Treasury rate pretty much double, almost to 3% in in the last couple of months. And, And that's really crushed the bond market, I mean, everybody, you know, pays attention to stocks. And, okay, there, there was a, a correction uh, the first couple of months of the year. But after February or so, investors with any money in bonds, they've really taken a beating on that side of the portfolio that they generally don't pay attention to. Do you think bonds can come back over the next year or two when, you know, they, they don't pay much in interest? Because some, some bond portfolios, they might be down 4 5 6%
1: yeah uh, if you just look across the board pretty much every single bond no matter what is down and typically you think of bonds as your safe haven so when things are going poorly on on the stock side well at least you have your bonds to you know balance it all out Uh, the issue becomes issue becomes when the uh, the stock volatility is driven by bond bond volatility right Right.
0: uh
1: so that's a big factor there and that's why you see both of them down now to get to your question about whether or not they can recover yeah absolutely they can recover uh as far as any sort of time frame you know it's tough to tell i mean the market you got to look at what the market's pricing in and uh, you got to look at You know, recession risk, that's a big factor. How quickly, when when I say what the market's pricing, I'm talking about in terms of of federal fund rate hikes, what the Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve is our nation's central bank responsible for stable inflation, which we don't have. So that's why they're trying to uh, cure that and uh, fix that. And the cure seems to be higher interest rates. And right now, what the market is pricing in is almost uh, 9 quarter point hikes for the remainder of the year, which means we'll have to have about three half point hikes. Uh, so that's pretty aggressive Fed. And that's part of the reason you're seeing that volatility in the stock side and the bond side sees that volatility because it starts when it says uh, or forecast that the that's going to be that aggressive in raising uh, short term interest rates because the Fed raises overnight rates. But that has a ripple effect to the rest of the bond market. So longer term rates uh, will be affected as well, uh, just because if the short term rates go up. Typically, the long term rates go up. Now, the question is, when will they stop going up? You know, that's tough to say, because wouldn't be surprised if we do see long term rates go a little bit higher uh, from here. Uh, But what I would also say is that when the Fed starts hiking rates, Typically, uh, what we've seen in the past, at least, is that the longer term rates have generally peaked within about one year. So that could tell us we could see a little bit more upside in rates, which isn't good for bonds because bond prices and rates move in opposite directions like a teeter-totter. One goes up, the other goes down. Uh, Now, there will come a point in time when bonds look very attractive uh, and they're looking more attractive now than they have been in a while. But we're... We're probably not quite to the point where yields have peaked, but it's tough to tell. Uh, I think they can recover. I think they will recover. It's just going to be a, a little bit of time, probably.
0: Annie, sticking on the topic of investments, uh, you just covered the bond market, but as far as the stock market goes, of course, earnings season, right? All eyes on how these large companies are dealing with supply chain issues, continued worker shortages, um, and then the increased interest rates as we start to see them, which I guess the, we're looking at Q1, so we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But, but what are we seeing from from an earnings standpoint?
1: Well, it, it's pretty early. I mean, we've only had about 30 30- large cap companies report earnings so far but we're going to get a lot more this week there will be 67 uh, companies from the s p 500 report profits procter (coughs) procter and gamble to name one so we'll get the update on their profit this week here Uh, and what we're looking for in general when we look at the broad market we're expecting that uh earnings will have grown about 5.2 percent sales Will grow, have grown 10.5%. That's uh, for the first quarter of this year compared to the first quarter of last year. And notice I told you sales would grow quicker than earnings. Well, what does that mean? That means profit margins uh, will shrink a little bit. Now, it's not material, but when we look at the net profit margin, which is uh, net income relative to sales, net income is the bottom line earnings, by the way, relative to total sales, uh, that's expected to shrink just a bit from 13.5% to 12.9%. In other words, companies aren't able to fully pass on the cost of inflation uh, to consumers. Now, obviously, they passed on a decent amount. I mean, yeah. we can see that, you know, just going shopping in pretty much any store out there, but they haven't passed all of it. So it's been absorbed by the company to a degree, and that's why you see those margins shrink shrinking a little bit Uh, and overall though still seeing growth and that's really important because Amy I mean profit growth is really one of the more important drivers if not the most important driver when we think of what stocks do in the longer run
2: so so you're seeing earnings growth and and that's not bad news I I mean you you hear all this talk about a recession coming and 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 yet we're we're looking at decent uh decent profitability and and uh, more than decent revenue growth so is it safe to say you don't see a recession coming this year?
1: I, I think it's unlikely that we see one this year. It's not impossible, especially if something out of left field happens with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, that's always a, a big risk that's unknowable at this time. Now, when we look at some of the indicators that have signaled recession, one that we talked about was the Short term rates, the two year treasury rate getting higher than the 10 year treasury rate. When that happens, that yield curve has inverted. So the yield curve did invert a couple of weeks ago, but it was only inverted for a couple 30 of days. Yeah. 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 Now it's now the 10 year treasury rate's about 35, 37, uh, 0. 0.35 or 0.37% higher than the two year treasury rate. So it's uninverted. What that suggests is that economists. Uh, or the bond market, I should say, the bond market believes the Fed might be able to pull off a miraculous soft landing, something they haven't been able to do in the past, (laughs) pretty much ever, uh, which would mean that they would get inflation back down while avoiding a recession. More signs of hope then. Yes, absolutely. Now, it could happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. Yeah. Uh, But I will believe that when I see it. But in terms of recession risk this year, I think it's unlikely. And I think we definitely are seeing some things moving in the right direction on the inflation front. And that is reflected in the yield curve uninverting.
0: Andy, what about a recession in the next 48 months? Just kidding. Just kidding.
1: (laughs) Amy, I will guarantee a recession. I'm not telling you a time frame. (laughs) Sometime in the future.
0: Right. I mean, the takeaway here is the headlines will make all kinds of crazy predictions, right? Make sure that you are analyzing the true information that's out there. And, Andy, we're always so grateful when you join the show and do just that for us. Here's a Simply Money point. Despite what you hear about inflation, there are positive economic trends and cause for optimism as this year goes on. A food delivery program is just blowing up. Thanks to many of you. We're going to talk about that next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station.
1: Tax is going to
3: my back, I swear. Don't you know I pay a lot more than my share?
2: I hate taxes.
0: <laughs> You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Strobeck. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, subscribe to our weekly podcast. The best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcast. And of course, yes, today, tax day. For almost every state, I think there's a few states that don't have to file today. Where does have...
2: Joe find that music? I don't
0: know. I don't know. But I, I look forward to every segment what he's, he's going good. to come up with yeah. because he, he I don't even know, he's like an encyclopedia of yep. of music in his head. It's very impressive. Uh, what's also impressive is if you've procrastinated down to the last minute tax day, uh, get those in, right? And, and understand, expect delays if you're expecting a refund this year because- I think there are five people working.
1: (laughs) I used to be so bad. (laughs) The
0: IRS. I used
2: to race down to the post office at midnight to get my extension request in in time. (laughs) That's, That's procrastinating.
0: Oh, you were that guy. I was that
2: guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well... Are you this guy, someone who goes into the grocery store or someone who orders groceries? This is a new program from Kroger, Kroger Boost, um, and it's apparently blowing up. And what this is, Steve, is a flat fee. So I've ordered many, many times uh, groceries from Kroger. I, I look at my day it's out of control and we need to eat at some point we've got hungry children they expect me to feed them it's ridiculous anyway I just like we need groceries and so you usually pay a fat a flat fee uh, for them to deliver plus a tip right? And, right and usually it's worth it for my convenience but Kroger has said listen we've seen so many of you doing this so many times we're just going to give you a flat fee 59 bucks for next day or $99 for same day delivery of groceries yeah. Um, and then we're going to Double your fuel points for for buying this. Um, I don't know. Have you guys tried this in the Sprovac House?
2: Uh, we we haven't because there's a Kroger like literally a quarter mile away. But mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you what, if I didn't, it, it, if I didn't have Ann around. I would need it because I went I went over the weekend, used the self-checkout and and the guy walked over and said, "Sir, if you're looking for the receipt, it's over here." I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. <laughs> that tells you how how often i go to Kroger and buy stuff myself. But this is kind of cool. They they they're basically doing the Amazon Prime program. Yes. But for groceries, so you pay a flat fee and you forget delivery charges. And, you know, we're talking, you know, 99 bucks a year to have same day, in most cases, within two hours. I mean, that's yeah. pretty darn convenient. And I could see for someone like you with, you know, 18 young kids or whatever <laughs> it is around right. your house. Yeah. yeah, that's that's handy.
0: And they are. They're super timely. I mean, the times that I have ordered the the two-hour delivery, it's here on time. I will say, however, uh, and I don't know if everyone else has had this experience or it's just my bad luck, um, but I will often not get things that i asked for yeah. and not yeah. get substitutions either and i i requested substitutions so it's not a foolproof thing um but you get most of it i, I don't know if i ever told you this uh, one time this was several months ago you know we're in this new neighborhood now someone else's groceries got delivered to our house oh boy we wa- <laughs> we walked out of the garage and tripped over <laughs> bags and bags of groceries wow. they just left them right there and brand new neighborhood we don't know really any neighbors yeah, yeah. and it's got got be someone that's got a baby or a little one because there's pedialyte in there we're knocking on doors they use that Can't...
2: for hangovers too but please continue <laughs> that's
0: true i actually didn't think about that it could have <laughs> been that situation don't
2: ask me how i know
0: You just heard it from the experts. Um, But anyway, uh, we got these groceries. We never figured out who they were. And for weeks afterwards, the kids were like, this is amazing. This is all the stuff you won't let us (laughs) order. So they were like praying that Kroger would make a mistaken delivery here again. It has not yet since happened. But listen, if you're someone who's, you know, just... Needs doesn't have time, right? The convenience factor of this. Do the math. Here's what they're basing this. They're saying you can save about a thousand bucks a year, yeah. And they're assuming two deliveries a week. I usually probably get one. And spending ninety-one bucks a week on groceries, I I spend. You mentioned I've got I'm, I'm We spend a far more, more than that. ninety-one dollars. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, they
2: they they've seen you know digital sales for Kroger have doubled in, in the past two years. So you know they're looking at this as a new profit center, a huge growth area my only question is well yeah we happen to have something called a pandemic you know where where people that wouldn't normally do this would sign up and get delivery you know you wonder is that trend going to continue but Kroger being Kroger, if there's a, a way to make money, they're going to figure it out and they're going to do it to the nth degree. It's it's an incredible company.
0: And I think to your point, there are probably some people who did start it during the pandemic who just like the convenience of it, who right. will continue. I think right. some will fall off, but I think they probably were able to maintain enough people to do it that this just really made sense. In fact, they're saying insane demand for this. Speaking of insane demand, how about the housing market here in Cincinnati, right? I mean, we've talked about yeah. housing prices going through the roof over the past you know, year-over-year prices in some cases of like close to 20% something like that yet as crazy as the house prices are getting according to a new study we're still extremely affordable here when it comes to housing
2: we are and i i've known this for years i moved here in 84 yeah. 85 i guess so this is the more you travel around this country the more you should appreciate what cincinnati has to offer and yeah, our home prices have gotten stupid over the past two years, but they've gotten stupider in other parts yeah. of the country. Yes. So, I mean, we're still, all right, we dropped a little bit. We were ranked number 10 a year ago. Now we're only number 11. But let's be serious. We're number 11 out of the top 50 U.S. metro areas when it comes to housing affordability. Um, a whole bunch of other uh, 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 numbers that they're they're looking at. It's still one of the best places to live in the country.
0: They're looking at the ratio of home sale price uh, to median household income, right? And that's how they're establishing this. And we're doing pretty well here. So when you complain about the price of of houses out there now, just realize you could be in San Francisco where the median house price is over a million dollars. Homeowners, beware. We've got a warning for you about a real estate scam you need to know about. That's next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Every once in a while, we hear a story that just makes our blood boil, right? A scam or something taking advantage of someone elderly or someone who just didn't deserve it. Joining us tonight is Brett Guido. He is the senior loan officer from Emory Federal Credit Union. Uh, Brett, you and I were talking last week um, about a story. I've never heard anything like this before, but you had a client who came in to refinance. Uh, and nothing about that was strange, but it got strange for
3: pretty fast. yeah it sure did. Um, we um, I mean obviously a lot of people are taking advantage of the lower rates and mm-hmm. you know the more equity they have in their house because values have increased so we've we've done a lot more uh, refinancing with people. Um, this client came in to me and just a normal consolidation loan gonna put some uh, credit card debt in with his mortgage um, did everything fine. And, uh, once we did the title search, the title search came back with a big, uh, question. There was a, a lien filed against his, uh, title of his property that he was unaware of. So that kind of opened, uh, Pandora's box.
0: All right. So that's unexpected, right? I mean, usually if there's a lien against your property, you very much know about it. He had no idea what this was. And as you guys dug a little deeper, what'd you find out?
3: He didn't. Yeah, he had no clue. Um, So this kind of goes back to the pandemic. Um, You know, a lot of people struggled, you know, once businesses shut down and, um, you know, he had uh, been laid off from his job for a little bit and was looking for some additional money. Well, Mm -hmm. um, once they, you know, did some research and found um, a solicitation for, you know, a way for him to get access to some money up front with really no you know no catch uh the, the key was is that um this is a listing service where it's a guaranteed listing agreement where the homeowner can you know sign uh, an agreement that if they were ever to sell sell the house this company would get the first opportunity to have that listing and what they do is they do give them money up front for that agreement Okay. And so it was a way for him to get access to that money without having to fill a credit report out or or do anything um, like that. And when we talk um, about
0: money, Brett, is this thousands of dollars? Is it hundreds of dollars? What did the guy get in exchange for kind of making that promise? So,
3: so I think he got around eight hundred dollars upfront for that agreement. Okay. Um, but the agreement came with the, uh, um, a a six percent sales uh contract or you know commission that they would provide uh once they did that so it was significant um and so, so he thought he was essentially
0: through- promising okay i put my house on the market at some point you guys get first crack at selling it and you get a six percent commission in exchange for that i get several hundred dollars eight hundred bucks up front uh no strings attached you needed money at the time seemed like a good deal is that that kind of how it went down
3: pretty short and sweet. And then, you know, unbeknownst to them, you know, somebody knocks at the door and there's a notary, uh, which, um, you know, they basically just signed an agreement, um, handed them the the check and, and they went on their way. What he didn't know is that that was a, an agreement to file a lien against the property, um, for them to protect their, their agreement. So when we came through to do the refinance, Um, that's a recorded lien against the property and it has to stay in second lien position. Um, and we you know, continued to discover more as we went through it because they would have to subordinate it and their subordination requests, um, just came with many, many strings attached. And so it has delayed his closing, um, significantly, um, and is a real issue for him.
0: So he had no idea that they took a lien out on his property. And of course, he's thinking he's only going to have to deal with this company again when and if he goes to sell his house, not understanding that refinancing, right, even that will require him to, what, pay something, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And so as an end result of the the agreement that they had, because the um, subordination uh, requirements were so uh, convoluted, our title insurance company was unwilling to release a clear title. And mm. so as a result, he ended up having to pay the full 6% up front. It ended up costing him about $8,700 just to just to do the uh, the refinance that he was trying to do.
0: So, I know you don't want to speak big, for your big client, big. but can you can you speak to how he was feeling about that? I mean, what sort of frustration is he feeling?
3: You know i mean frustration all that i would say there's also a big level of embarrassment and you know we spend a lot of time at the credit union you know um training on you know elder abuse and you know um, people being taken advantage of and how to spot those those things so a typical response to to that is just just embarrassment and you know um and so that's really the unfortunate thing but as an end result, most of that equity that he had gained from the economy, you know, uh, uh, going his, his way, it really got eaten up into this sales contract. Mm. So, you know, for an $800 upfront, you know, relief, uh, it ended up costing him
0: close you know, to
3: $9,000. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just I hate to, to see that happen to him or anybody.
0: So, Brett, what's the warning tonight, right for listeners? What do you just feel like they just really need to be aware of?
3: I'd say number one, um, you know, you just really need to know who you're dealing with. Um, you know, when you pull a credit report, that information becomes um, becomes public. Actually, credit bureaus can sell the inquiry information to other people that are looking to sell you something or provide some benefit for you. So, you know, if you're getting solicited by an email or something comes in the mail, um, you know, it can be really tricky. It can look like the lender that you're dealing with and that's not always the case. So I guess first and foremost, just know who you're dealing with um, and, and really check into that. I would also, second of all, I'd say ask for help. If you don't understand the process of something or anything that you're asked to sign or, or sign up for, talk to a friend, talk to a family member reach out to your local bank. I mean, it is really important for you to have a a relationship with a local financial institution that can help you answer some of these questions. Um, You know, most people don't work in the financial industry, so a lot of these processes and terms can be, you know, overwhelming.
0: Because, Brett, for this this client of yours, right, when someone shows up at the front door, with a notary, right, to notarize something, uh, yeah. it, it should have been, wait, stop, I don't understand why, why is this happening? But it, it's so many times, right, we're embarrassed that we don't understand something, so we don't ask questions.
3: Yeah, I mean, it just becomes, um, you know, it's it's a process that people feel they should know more about, but in reality, they, they don't really know yeah. um, the the true process. And so there is a level of trust factor that that has to be, you know, in there. so I guess you could compare it to your doctor. I mean, I'm not a doctor either. I, he tells me to do something and I usually do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you feel pressured or if you feel that you don't um, have all the information, you need to ask those questions. And if you're not confident that, that you're getting the right answer, then just stop what you're doing and then and reach out and, and talk to somebody who can walk you through that.
0: There have been news stories, right, with warnings about situations just like this happening across the country. And uh, so, Brett, the client, right, asked essentially, like, let's get the word out about this because I don't want anyone else to fall for this.
3: Yeah, he's furious. I mean, um, you know, after the the embarrassment and the shock and we've kind of walked through that, his, you know, his response to me was, you have to reach out and help me talk to some people who can you know, I can get the word out exactly what you said. We can't fix what happened to him right now, but we can certainly hopefully get the word out and make sure it doesn't happen to other people in the area.
0: So heed the warning right here as a man from right here in the tri-state. Thought he was going to get just a few hundred dollars up front, right, by making this agreement with a listing company. Instead, he ends up having to pay $9,000 out of his pocket just to refinance his house because they had uh, placed a lien on his property without him knowing. Spread the word, right? Make sure that your parents understand this is going on and your neighbors and your family and your friends. Great advice tonight from Brett Guido from emory federal credit union you've been listening to simply money here on 55 krc the talk station you're listening to simply money i'm Amy wagner along with steve sprovac if you changed jobs during the pandemic and are thinking of changing yet again there's something to consider ahead of time it involves your retirement we've got details straight ahead You know, I think, See, for so many people, you don't think about Social Security until you're right there. So you're knocking on retirement's door. But tonight we want to say, hey, if you are maybe in your 50s, getting close to your 50s, you should already be planning for it. Have a plan in place or at least some options in place.
2: Well, you know, everybody thinks the Social Security is, okay. well, uh, I'm almost uh, 62. Maybe I should start thinking about it. Maybe you should start thinking about it a decade or so yes, earlier. We would say yes. And, and, and it's not that you're going to be making any big decisions, but you know, it's it's now that the kids are getting older, and you know, hopefully a little bit less time consuming. I don't know if they'll get less expensive right away, but <laughs> but you know, there are some good things to take into account to make sure when it is time to make those decisions on Social Security that you, you kind of already know what you're talking about. And you also have been taking care of making sure you're drawing as much out of both the system of Social Security and from your other investments. Right, let, let's first talk about Social Security. It takes into account, when you determine what your benefit is, your top three. 35 years of earnings. Well, guess what? When you hit your 50s, I'm hoping you're making more money than when you were in your 20s. Yeah. So, you know, keep that in mind. You might want to retire early, but every year that you're making good money when you're in your 50s, that is increasing and actually increasing quite substantially the amount of benefit you're going to receive from Social Security because you're paying more into the system.
0: And I don't know about you, Steve, but like uh, thinking back 35 years, right? Like when you get to that age, you're like, where was I working then? How much was I making? Yeah. Go to myssa.gov. Yeah. They should track this for you. And first of all, there, there's mistakes on there. So you want to make sure no. that it is correct. Wait, as wait, wait. wait.
2: Your... The government makes mistakes? <laughs> no. Hard
0: to imagine that Social Security <laughs> would make any <laughs> mistakes. are you telling me? It happens. <laughs> so get on there and check your earnings history. And also, if 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 you're looking at it through that lens, right, of your 35 highest earning years, um, maybe it makes sense. You were thinking of retiring at 62, but hey, if you retire at 64, it knocks off two years where you weren't making very much, right? You kind of do the numbers and figure out maybe it makes sense to work longer. So even just understanding how the system works, uh, how they determine what your benefit is, can go a long way in helping you decide what makes the most sense for you.
2: Yeah, and, and let's talk now about some of the catch-up provision, provisions in 401ks and IRAs because if you're depending on Social Security to live off of, good luck because, you know, yeah, it's a great it program. It wasn't designed for that. It was designed to keep you from starving to death. You know, keep you I off don't, the streets. I, I want to do a little bit better than that when I retire. And yes. you know what? If you're like me, I got kind of a late start on saving because we had kids right off the bat and, and you know, life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, IRAs, once you hit 50, you can put an extra thousand dollars Away big whoop, right? But 401ks, much different yes. deal. The catch up in a 401k allows you to put up to $27,000 per year of your own money into the plan. So, you know, if uh, hopefully you've got a 401k with your employer, if you're trying to save some extra money and you're finally getting some bills paid and have a few extra bucks. Before you go out and buy that boat, think about putting an extra 3, 4, maybe $7,000 in, into your 401k if you're 50 or over.
0: Yes. And then just start thinking about what age, right? I mean, I think even in your 50s, are you planning to claim that benefit at 62, right? Or does it make sense to wait until your full retirement age? Uh, You know, see, we talk about the fact that if you can wait until the age of 70, right, that's a guaranteed 8% return every year above your full retirement age. And while that sounds amazing, it is incredibly rare that someone waits until then to, to claim that benefit. At
2: 70. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. And And, you know, there is a break even point if you want to draw less money at an earlier age versus more money at a later age. A lot of people uh, that come in to see me, they've already put the spreadsheet together, and it's. I'll, I'll save you some time. It's going to be about 11, 12, 13, 14 years break even, depending on your benefit and, and current age. But the bottom line is, yeah, it takes quite a while before you pull more out of the system by waiting. And keep in mind, when you're waiting, I'm, I'm one of those people that don't just say, wait until you're 70. It makes the most sense from full retirement age to 70. It's 8% per year. You can't get that anywhere else. That That's the amount of increase in your benefit yeah but you know you never know what's gonna happen in life so you know sometimes you may want to draw it sooner and that's a personal decision everybody has to go through that decision and calculation but it's gonna be 11 12 13 14 years before you can say I made a bad decision and, and that's a long time
0: You know, something else to consider here, too, is while you're thinking through, you know, what benefit, what time it makes sense to uh, claim this benefit is um, if you have more. Right. If you're not going to count on Social Security as much and you've saved a lot, could things change with the government? Right. Could Congress make some changes between now and when you claim where it actually they could be taking like means testing or something like that, where it doesn't make sense uh, for you to uh, for you to wait because you might be gambling.
2: Well, we, we've got some time before that. It looks like it's re- the system's really going to get in trouble around 2034, 2035. Um, so we, we've got some time to work with. And it's not going to go away. It just means that if Congress doesn't do something, you may get a reduced benefit until they do fix it. I'm not really worried about it.
0: Here's the Simply Money point. Social Security, it's not designed to support you wholly during your retirement. See if you can earn more to boost your benefit and sock away more in other retirement accounts as you're getting closer and closer to that big retirement age. You know, many people who change jobs during the pandemic are changing again. Uh, and what they might be missing out on that could have a big impact on their future. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. One of the byproducts, of course, of this pandemic has been the great recession. I'm sure, you know, we all know someone who has made a major job switch. But the interesting thing, Steve, about this is it all continues to shake out here is that 40% of the people who have switched jobs are now looking again for I a know. new job.
2: Well and, and you wonder how much of it is employers were scrambling so bad to get people to fill positions that maybe they just promised the moon and the stars to, to some of these yeah uh, to some of these candidates and you know okay you're willing to take a look and okay better pay oh, company sounds pretty good and you get there and it's not even close to what you thought it was going to be what are you going to do well luckily the market is still tight and there are other jobs out there and some of these people they they've switched and they're switching again
0: and thank goodness, right? I mean, thank yeah. goodness that the market is still like this because you imagine switching and then all of a sudden, you know, job market tightens, you know, and then you're stuck where you are. I ran into a friend from high school over the weekend for my gosh, probably 15 years now, maybe even longer. She's worked for the same company I run into all the time, same, same job. And during the pandemic, she said she made the switch. Uh, she was ready for a change. She was a little frustrated with that company and her current position. And so she went and she lives in Northern Kentucky. She was driving to Westchester. So she had this huge commute that she hadn't had before, but mostly she she said the culture was not what she was expecting. It was very old school, nine to five, clock in and clock out. And how would
2: you know until you get there? You know? That's
0: exactly it. Yeah. And, yeah. and she got there and within a few months knew that it wasn't right. Luckily, the old company, right, called her up. She's a great worker, had a new position for her. She went back there where she knew things were good. She ended up kind of with a really soft landing, but, it, you know, it's not the case for everyone.
2: So so she got a promotion only because she left in the first place. Yes. Right? It,
0: it, and right. So it's not like she's, yeah. you know, she's she's glad she left because it, she would have never ended up where she is now. And I think another thing that we just need to make sure that you're thinking through, if you're thinking through one of these jobs, jumps is you make a lot of these little jumps and you've got a 401k and how long does it take to vest and how long does it take before they put the company match and, and all of a sudden you've got all these tiny little accounts out there that are hard to keep track of.
2: Well, yeah, and, and, you know, that's a that's a whole subject all by itself. But, you know, I, I happen to know somebody that uh, was uh, promoted into a new position with a new boss, and that was the reason that he left his company because, yeah, you know, he had a great, great situation, but because somebody left to go on to Greener Pastures— He got the promotion, and it didn't work out. So he's actually starting a new job today. And, and, you know, there's some anxiety with that. So good luck to everybody that's out there looking. And I hope your new job is as good as you hoped it was.
0: Understand, right? The grass is not always greener on the other side. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station.